Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer. So learning to live by design will help you thrive within all your spheres of influence. Today, Dr. Tim Philston will share a message titled Talent Management as part of our Unhurried Sermon Series. The scripture passage for today is Matthew 25, 14 through 30, which will help us answer the question, why do we need mission? playlists on Spotify. You know what I'm talking about? You make playlists, right? And you name them creative things. Here's one that one of my children, who shall remain nameless, labeled one of his playlists, my parents are old. (laughs) Now, I'm on to him, though. I'm on to him, because I think the reason why he did this is so he can provide a little cover for himself while he puts all these nostalgic favorites from when we went to the mountains or went... You know, our little soundtrack when we go on vacation. And so all these old songs, you know, he can put them out there without, you know, sort of being drawn into or accused of sentimentality or some such. One of the songs that, that should be on there that, you know, I, I wasn't really, I mean, I was on earth but not really aware of this song when it was the number one hit. you know the number one hit 50 years ago? Can anybody think of the number one hit? Don't call it out but just, because you're probably going to say a Beatles song, but it wasn't. It was an American songwriter, and the, the number one song in 1970, 1971, uh, was on the, the top of the charts at, at number one for almost the entire year. Bridge Over Troubled Water. Anybody get that? Paul Simon wrote Bridge Over Troubled Water, and uh, by his own testimony, said that he, he didn't have any, uh, he really wasn't interested in spiritual things, wasn't religious, didn't go to church, didn't go to synagogue. He was um, inspired, though. And uh, he, he, he says that he, he was sitting there just kind of tooling around on his guitar, and the, this song was not there, and then all of a sudden it was. That, that kind of thing amazes me. Doesn't that amaze you? And don't you wonder why God inspires some people? I mean, why does God inspire? Even, even the psalmist says this. Now, this is no reflection on Paul Simon. Um, but the psalmist says, uh, why do the wicked prosper? Why do all kinds of people get inspired? Why, 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 why doesn't God put more of his inspiration just on the people that are following him? Sometimes I wonder that. Do you ever wonder that? And I think, I like to think of it this way, you know, maybe God just wanted us to have that song. It's a beautiful song, but it's an inspired song. It's a song that has deep uh, theological Christian roots to it. Maybe God just wanted us to have penicillin, you know, whoever he inspired it, you know, Louis Pasteur. Maybe God just wanted us to have the iPhone. Well, or maybe not the iPhone. Maybe, maybe somebody else inspired the iPhone. I don't know. But, but God lavishes talents on us. And I think he wants us to learn to lavish our talent on the world. He gives you talent. He provides. And, and the parable I'm about to read is the famous parable of the talents from Matthew 25. And we're asking the question, why, why do we need mission? And, and the answer is in, in the scriptures. The answer Today's, and of course, in the scriptures. We need mission to show us how much we have to give. 
from the Word of God, Matthew 25, starting with verse 14. Would you follow, follow along in your Bible or on the screens? For it will be in his, it, when it, it, he says it, he's, this is a series of kingdom verses, kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God parables. For it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. His property. It's a talent. A talent is a measurement or a weight of money. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. And so he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward and bringing five talents more saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seeds. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was mine own with interest. So take the talent, he, so, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God bless us today through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God bless us now through your word, not only to our minds to understand, but to our hearts to believe that through our lives we may live. In Jesus' name, amen. Benjamin Franklin is famous for saying all kinds of things. One of his famous sayings is that necessity is the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. That means you, can, you only can figure certain things out when you're faced with necessity, right? It's amazing how like, you know, just like a, a wire you know, suddenly can become useful to you, some little scrap of something you've saved in your shed because there's a necessity and then you invent some use for that thing. Necessity is the mother of invention. The needs of the world around us is the mother of understanding your own call. 
We need the needs of the world. You see what I'm doing there? A lot of times we think the world needs us to help them. You need, I need the needs of the world. Why? Three reasons this morning. Three reasons we need the needs of the world. We need them in front of us. We need to be close to them. We need, we need proximity to the needs around us and all the way around the world. We need those needs to see our poverty, to see our wealth, and to see our own divisions, to see how poor we are, to see how rich we are, and to see how divided our hearts are. Let's go. First, we need the needs of the world to see how poor we really are. There's a certain poverty that comes with prosperity. I remember, uh, I think I've told this story, but I, this one time I came close to hitting a hole in one. It was like right next to the hole. I chipped this shot. It was not at the right club even. It was a ridiculous shot. And it landed right next to the hole. It was just sort of a fluke. And I went up to, to hit it. And I guess I was distracted. And I missed the putt, right? And a friend of mine, everybody, everybody was on the green, just kind of sat there for a minute in disbelief. And then one of my friends said, you can't handle prosperity, right? You can't handle prosperity. So, so <laughs> it was true. So it's true for us as Americans. A lot of times we can't handle prosperity. Here's a, here's a guy, uh, the guy with the one talent is looking and comparing himself. And he can't understand the value that he's been given. You know how much a talent is worth? A talent is like 6,000 denarii, see? Yeah, I know. I don't know what that means either. 6,000 denarii is like 10 years wages of a laborer. That's a lot of money. You think of a laborer, a day laborer, maybe makes you know, $40,000 a year times 10 years, that's about $400,000. That's one talent. You see, Americans are famous for knowing the cost of everything, but not really understanding the value of anything. But mission helps us see how rich we are. You see, a lot of times when someone goes on a short-term mission trip, I think our expectations are set that we have, they don't have. And so people come back puzzled by something. Can you imagine what they're puzzled by? What are people who go on a short-term mission trip usually puzzled by? And this, this has to do with how we can't handle our prosperity, how, how we see the cost of everything but not the value. Can you start to guess? What are people puzzled about? Where is the worth of human life? Is it in having? You see, people are puzzled by the joy that they encounter in the lives of the people they have gone to help, and they find themselves helped. You've seen this. You've heard this. You've experienced this, where you've gone to help someone else, and you've come back richer. You didn't know how poor you were. You didn't know your poverty. There's a certain poverty that comes with prosperity. Let me describe it to you a little bit more. A famous dancer named Mikhail Baryshnikov defected at the height of the Cold War to the United States. And somebody asked him, what do you miss most about your culture? And he said this, and it's, it's never left me. He said, I miss the intensity of relationships. You feel that? The distance that we have because of our wealth, our independence, our competencies. We just are not knit together the way we're 
truly intended to in our culture, maybe more so in the church, hopefully more so in the church. You know, we've got a, we've got a picture of what a disciple, you know, sort of the paces of discipleship, worship, grow, and serve. That through worship and growth and transparency in the lives of a trusted few and then serving, that there's a kind of a combustion cycle where you can see increasingly your own need and you can find that supply in the people of God, in the worship of God, in the growth in Jesus Christ. But more often than not, we, we don't see what we need because we think we have it and others don't. And so we need to be proximate to people who are last, least, and lost. We need to be proximate to people in pain. See, I've seen it so many times where somebody goes overseas and then they come back and they see what they couldn't see around them. You say, well, there are so many needs around us. Why, why go overseas? Because that's where people get their switch flipped a lot of times. It's like they, they often don't see those needs. And they don't know how much they have to give. That's the second reason why we need to go, why we need to be a part of mission, why we need to be proximate to people who are hurting, why we need mission. We need mission to see our poverty. We also need mission to see our wealth, how much you have to give. This whole word talent, you know, it, 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 it can be traced back to this Greek word, talente. Our word talent goes right back to this measurement of money because of Jesus' use of it, this allegorizing of this, this measurement of money. Because Jesus is using it as a symbol for abilities. Every commentary I read says that's exactly what's going on here. Jesus is using this measurement of money to show you all the dimensions of your life, your shape. Some, somebody put it this way, you've got a shape, you've got spiritual gifts, You've got heart, S-H-A-P-E, spiritual gifts. You have a heart. They're things you care about that God placed there. You have abilities that, that aren't necessarily spiritual gifts. You have a personality. You have experiences. How are you stewarding those gifts of God, those abilities, those talents? You say, well, a lot of, a lot of my experiences are bad experiences, Tim. Are those talents too? Yes, they are. I'm going to show you in just a minute. You see, more often than not, we need to see our wealth by being involved in mission because we don't see our wealth. Why? Because we compare and we despair. Comparing is despairing. Don't ever forget that. As soon as you start comparing, you're gonna start despairing. Comparing is despairing. And that's what we do. Oh, we, we don't see... Where we are as compared to the rest of the world that earns $2 a day. We don't see that gap. You don't experience that gap every day. You need mission to see the gap. No, we see, we, we see the 1% the, the, the of the 1% because we blast them all over our media, right? And we say, well, gosh, look at that huge gap between me and those people. And we don't see the gap between us and the rest of the world. We don't see our wealth. We need mission to show us our wealth. Let me give you an example. So, so there were these women in, uh, in Chattanooga, and there was this uh, organization that was founded to reach out to them. They were on the street. A lot of times they have had children. They were abused, and they needed a place to go. 
And they thought of themselves as needy people until, until. A woman who had this vision for these women took them on a mission trip to Haiti and put them into service. And these women who were so needy in their own minds, these women off the street, these women who'd been abused, went and saw how wealthy they are. Not just in terms of what they have, but what they have to give. Their spiritual gifts, their heart, their ability, their personality, their experience. And in that posture of giving, of serving, they discovered their wealth and they came back different. They came back ready to engage. You see, even your bad experiences, I said this a minute ago, even your bad experiences can be turned into a talent. You know, God is in the redemption business. Don't compare and despair. Recognize that God is turning every experience of yours into a talent and wants to turn every experience of yours into a talent. I was, I was amazed at the profound blind spot and, and strange lack of self-awareness exhibited in one of the awards, one of the celebrity awards shows a few weeks ago, where a woman talked about the fact that had she not had an abortion, she never would have had a career. I'm, I'm sure you all have heard this story. It's an astonishing lack of awareness, self-awareness and social awareness, to think that, that what God wants is for us to have a career. Let's compare that or contrast that to many women I've, I've, I've heard about, learned about, who have started outreach clinics to prevent other women from having abortions because they have had one and they are dealing with their pain. They're stewarding their own pain. They're recognizing that others don't necessarily have to go through what they went through. And turning this difficult experience that brings guilt and brings shame into something that God can use for good. Do you believe that? See, this is what this is what this parable is all about. That even your bad decisions, even your failures, even your worst moments can be stewarded in mission for good. And in that comes your own redemption. In that, you know, Isaiah puts it this way. Isaiah 58 says, when you see the naked to clothe them and and set the prisoner free, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Then your light, your healing will come. You see, we need needy people to see that even in our darkest hour, we have great wealth. Because we have a great God who is always wanting to turn your worst into his best. So we need, we need mission. 
to see our poverty, to see our wealth. And finally this, we need mission to see how divided we are, our divided hearts. You know, Solzhenitsyn famously said that the line between good and evil runs, bet- runs through every human heart. The line between good and evil runs through every human heart. Our hearts are still divided. We're not fully there. We're somewhere between zero and 100%, right? We need mission to show us our continued division. Even for the good deeds we do, even for the good we try to do, for the people that are closest to us or the people that are farthest from us, the good deeds we do are often driven by dark darkness. And we need mission to show us that darkness, to root it out, and to shine a light on those dark places in us. Let me give you an example. So, uh, you know, I've known a number of people, and, and sometimes it's you, sometimes it's me, who can only feel good about themselves by being the hero in your life, right? You know people like this, right? And as long as they get to play the role of hero in your life, you have a relationship with them because they're safe, right? And you see them at the time as very helpful, very caring, very generous people, interested in your problem. But as soon as you get healthy or get better, sometimes the relationship can, can, can be fractured. You see, the deal is, you're the needy person and I'm the hero, and as long as I get to play the hero, then we're good, right? You see how much of... Me is in it when I have to be the hero in your life? You see how much of me is in it? I mean, this is, there's a, there's a you know, sort of a pop psych, psychology term for this, but I think it's rooted in some reality. And Jesus exhibits and, and pokes at it and exposes it, you know, in, in his, um, you know, his passage, uh, in the passage we read a few weeks ago of the, of the man who was at the pool of Bethesda. It's called codependency. And there are relationships like this where as long as we get to, as long as, as, as I get to, uh, to help you and you get to be the helpee, right, then we're good. But so much of me is wrapped up in my helping. Do you see the division? That's not love. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13 it says, you, you can give all that you have to the poor. You can give all 10 talents to the poor, but have not love, you have, you gain nothing. See, there's weight to the talent. It's not just a measurement of amount, it's a measurement of weight. And if you want your life to be significant and not just successful, then you have to recognize, we have to recognize that we have to learn how mission drives out the dark places that motivate us. Mission drives out the dark motivations that poison relationship. Mission drives out those motivations that are all about me, myself, and I, that unholy trinity. We need mission to learn how to love. See, mission is part of our discipleship. We don't fracture our discipleship here. We don't do that. We don't say, okay, everybody stop learning. We're going to do mission, okay? All right? It's time to do mission, all right? All right, stop worshiping. We're going to learn something, all right? Stop, 
Stop learning. We're going, you know, stop, stop doing mission. We're going to worship. See, it all is part of the seamless, beautiful plan that, that Jesus walked out before us. He worshiped as he went. He grew as he went. He served as he went. And so we need mission to continue to grow as disciples. We need mission to learn how to love. Jonathan Edwards is probably one of the keenest minds of American history. He was the president of Princeton Seminary for a while. He was the president of Princeton College. He was a pastor in Massachusetts. Um, you know, negative people make him famous for one of his 2,000 sermons. But Jonathan Edwards was a philosopher. He was brilliant. He said, put your happiness in the happiness of others. Put your happiness in the happiness of others. You see, that's, that starts to look like a fully formed disciple. Someone who understands that mission is an outlet. Mission is an opportunity to extend our reach. Mission is an opportunity, yes, to solve problems in the world. Mission is an opportunity to demonstrate the love and care of First Presbyterian Church around the corner. But mission is an opportunity to expose our poverty, to expose our wealth, and to expose our divided hearts that we can become like Jesus. One who put his happiness in our happiness. One who so generously gave to us so that we would receive to see our joy complete, as he says in the passage, enter in, good and faithful servant, into the joy of your master. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that, that you have given us all that you have. God, this week, would you find us in those dark places, find us in those places of longing. Find us with our spiritual gifts. Find us with our hearts. Call up our abilities. Summon our personality. Turn our bad and great experiences all to the good that we may walk in your footsteps and learn to love. In Jesus' name, amen.